I will say, though, this and five-year engagement both have this weird idea that being a professor means you do, like, flashy little gimmicks at the beginning of the first day of class. <laughs> that I, I don't... Can that myth just, like, die? That's not what being a professor means. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 511 with a review of Crazy Rich Asians. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, we will be arguing about a film that is coming to theater near you. But before that, I want to go back to a review from last week. Um, last week, uh, we put out a review of the film uh, Black Klansman. Um, in that review, I made a statement uh, based on some knowledge that I had from a thing that I read on the internet, um, which was an article. And uh, turns out some of that information may not have been factual. Um, so I wanted to clear that up before getting into this review. Um, last week, I mentioned that uh, Spike Lee had finished filming Black Klansman before the events of Charlottesville. And uh, that is not correct. However, I was quoting a Vox piece that was written following uh, the premiere of this film, uh, Black Klansman, at Cannes, and uh, there was oh, some... Did, did you say Cannes? <laughs> yes, I, I, was, Cannes. I was there. Stephen was there. Um, I was quoting an article that Stephen wrote. No, I was kidding. Um, but yeah, there was a Vox article that was written back when this premiered at Cannes, um, and I guess he had, at the time, uh, misspoken in a press interview, and uh, he later cleared that up in subsequent interviews when the film actually came out um and there's even uh there's a clip of him on like seth meyers or something like uh saying like oh yeah no i misspoke back then like i knew before filming started that we wanted this event to be the ending of the film because it did happen before filming began charles happened august 12th mm -hmm. three days ago we didn't start shooting until september okay so i got it mixed up in can okay gotcha but, but we started we started in, in it was crazy in camp. <laughs> so. So just to clear that up, uh, I, I, I still stick by the rest of what I was saying in that episode. Um, the notion that the idea of the film came together without being necessarily informed by this. Uh, well, just just that the idea that like I, I didn't understand the way that the KKK members were being portrayed. I felt that it was too comedic to have um, the resonance that like I hoped it would. Um, and, and just that the idea that um, if you take away the ending from the film, I don't understand the reason for portraying them that way. Um, so I, I, I kind of still stick by that opinion on just being confused why they're portrayed comedically instead of being like the legitimate, like scary thing that they are. Um, and that without that ending, that comedic take doesn't. I, I just didn't sit with me. I didn't understand the decision to do that. Um, you, you know, one thing I didn't think of when we were talking about it before, but we don't have to unpack it now, but don't you think the modern day idea that they're all dumb and bumbling and therefore shouldn't be taken seriously is kind of like relevant? Like maybe the biggest threat is like the bumbling people that you don't want to take seriously. <laughs> well, yeah, but there I mean... There could be I, a comment there. But I agreed, um, but I think they're maybe bumbling in a different way mm. that they yeah just say that like agreed they might not be the brightest of people <laughs> but i think that 
they're not comedically bumbling. They're just frighteningly bumbling. Mm -hmm. And then I thought it was just the way the film handled it. And I used the knowledge of that article as part of the evidence to back up my point. I still stand behind the point that I was making, whether that's like, whether I was, uh, whether there's a validity to my statement or not, um, you can decide for yourself, but just take away the, the knowledge that of the order of which the events took place um, out of my point. And then I'll, I'll stand by everything else I said, but just, I thought it, thought it was worth bringing up and correcting myself because there are a ton of articles out there now where he speaks the correct order of, lots of, of people are ends. saying that chris is wrong <laughs> vox is the enemy of the people wish hunt <laughs> uh, no but yeah just one of those unfortunate things where like i had done some reading and then i took that into the review and then it turned out i my source was <laughs> several months old and yeah. uh was incorrect so uh, there you go <laughs> <laughs> now that that is out of the way, um, that what, was heavy. What, what do you say, Stephen, when we get into this review of Crazy Rich Asians? Let's do it. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Crazy Rich Asians, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. Rich, we've been dating for over a year now, and I think it's about time people met my beautiful girlfriend. What about us taking an adventure east? Like Queens? Singapore, Colin's wedding. Don't you want to be my family? I hardly know anything about them. Every time I bring them up, it changes the subject. Maybe his parents are poor and he has to send them money. Let's take a bag and get you checked into first class. Nick, we can't afford this. So your family is rich? We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. I want money. 1.2 million. That's what I want. The Nick you're dating is Nick Young? Yeah, you guys know them or something? Hells yeah. They're just the biggest developers in all of Singapore. That's what I Damn, Rachel. It's like the Asian bachelor. These people aren't just rich. They're crazy rich. Now you really should have told me that you're like Prince William of Asia. That's ridiculous. Much more of a Harry. <laughs> Mom, this is Rachel Chu. She just thinks you're some like unrefined banana. No, no, no. Uh, those are a few fingers. Yellow on the outside, or white on the inside. Do some crazy! I chose to raise a family. For me, it was a privilege. But for you, you may think it's old fashioned. Don't you want Nick to be happy? I know you're not what Nick needs. She's like trying to play a game of chicken with me, thinking I'm gonna swerve like a chicken. But you can't swerve. You gonna roll up and be like, bop, bop, bitch. Okay, maybe like not as aggressive. I met a girl, I fell in love, and I wanna marry her. You're Nicholas Young. You're untouchable. But Rachel's not. Have you prepped Rachel to face the wolves? You know I'm back, like I never left. I really admire you. It takes guts coming all the way over here, facing Nick's family. Another day, another breath. I know this much. You will never be enough. Yo, it's about time someone stood up to Auntie Eleanor. Well, you, not me. Oh, God. She can't know I was over here. I feel glorious, glorious. Got a chance to stop you. I was born for this, born for this. Ever since I can remember, my family has been my whole life. Rachel, Rachel. If Nick chose me, he would lose his family. And if he chose his family, he might spend the rest of his life resenting you. You nasty. You got a nasty. You got nastier. All right. So that was the trailer for Crazy Rich Asians uh, based on the book of the same name. Uh, it is about a young woman and her boyfriend. They're going to take a trip back um, to Singapore 
for um, her boyfriend's uh, best friend's wedding. And in the process, she is going to meet their family. Turns out the family is a very wealthy family from the area. And uh, she is sort of dealing with being thrust into the environment with them and kind of trying to have to prove her worth to that family um, so that they don't look at her as the person who's trying to come in and destroy the life of their son. <laughs> uh, did I accurately sum up the, the kind of the gist of this film? Sure. <laughs> uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? All right. So, you know how like this year in particular, everybody loves Mamma Mia too because it's this like unabashedly bright, boisterous, kind of dumb cheese ball <laughs> thing that just goes all out there. Sure. You see where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, so I have not yet seen the Mamma Mia movies. Carson, don't at me. I'm, I'm getting there. Um, Are you really going to see that Mamma Mia movies? Sure. Why, why not? Uh, but so far, like I think this movie is kind of my Mamma Mia in that it's like a decadent, big, sometimes dumb spectacle where the plot doesn't really matter, but it's like a feel-good movie. It felt very like very much akin to like the aughts comedies or the 90s comedies where they're just like the big rom-coms with tons of side characters and elaborate plot pieces and there's all the tropes that it goes into right there's like the montage of trying on the dresses trope there's the race to the airport trope there are the jokes that are kind of like hacky like like there's stuff in there that obviously is treading ground that we've seen before but it it's just done in like a very big over the top spectacle way that i i was really vibing with it um so part of it is my personal memories so the the first international conference i ever went to was in singapore (laughs) and i remember like having the same moment that the uh the main character of rachel has when she's landing in singapore for the first time and like the skyline is insane there's like the marina bay sands on top of the giant skyscrapers that looks like a boat and there's the the merlion and there's all these like ridiculous rooftop bars and stuff and the street food scene feels like very boisterous and alive and it i just remembered the feeling of like being a little more naive and in awe of like how lavish and ridiculous a place that was so quick quick question when when you were checking out the street food there did you do what they did and kind of get some of everything and yeah. sit down with a giant table of like because that was like i was like i want to eat that all is of that exactly stuff. what you do in singapore yeah in in that area and i i don't know it just made me remember like i've, I've since been to other places and i feel like singapore is maybe like it wouldn't be like my first choice to go back as the movie kind of nods to it's very kind of wealthy and it's very specific right um but it, it, this just like tapped into that for me where I remembered how it felt to be like dazzled by something. And I think this is a movie that is dazzling. Like the money is on the screen and the cast is huge. And some of them are dumb and over the top caricatures as with any rom-com, right? Yeah. Some of them are very grounded. Like I think Constance Wu is a very kind of grounding main character where you feel in her the kind of like meet the parents nightmare cranked up to 11 where all of your fears about what if they don't like me get transformed into holy shit they, they, they don't, don't like, like me <laughs> they don't like me and the world is watching and i'm basically at like the royal wedding right now yeah um and i don't know i just thought the movie navigated that well like there are there are fun side characters like ken jong made me laugh um it is just his presence i think made a lot of people laugh yeah, definitely. And, I mean, he was funny. Uh, the whole, like, Aquafina's family, they were just really good. I thought Aquafina was really good in this. Like, between this and Ocean's 8, I feel like she's having a, a good rising year as, like, a 
funny side character. Um, the male characters who are not funny are like sacks of potatoes, like don't need to exist here at all. I yeah. think Henry Golding is like, he is nothing but like pure Nicholas Sparks sexiness. Like other, otherwise there's nothing to recommend it. Like there's some conversations between men in this movie where like, They've just flown a helicopter to an island because, of course, they know how to fly helicopters. But Why it, not? It, it, it can't be Nicholas Sparks' sexiness because, like, an ex-husband doesn't have a treehouse fall on them or anything that, like that's that. That's true. That doesn't happen. But they're just, like, two guys <laughs> sitting hunky and shirtless at a bachelor party they escaped from talking, like, so how much are you in love with your significant other? Oh, that would be really hard. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's very, like, cliched rom-com. The, the, but- <laughs> the shot of that being the only little raft bungalow thing in that entire area with the helicopter just perched on the rocks was like amazingly yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I think like amazingly ridiculous is a good way to characterize how I felt about this movie. It was, it was ridiculous, but it was so big and like insisted upon being seen. It wasn't timid. I don't think it, I don't think it was ever like totally very off. Like even when it went into wild ridiculous beats, it had like, there are lots of giant party scenes with elaborate set pieces, but it, it delivers on those, I think. Like, you feel the razzle-dazzle of it. Uh, there are big emotional moments, like uh, a wedding scene where something might have gotten in my eye, like, just a little bit, nothing crazy. <laughs> like, and, like, you know, they're, they're all broad. Like, this is not a very deep, very serious movie, but I do think it's... It, it does well for the genre. I kind of... I feel about this the way I felt about Ocean's 8, where, like, there's all this pressure for it to deliver on the diversity aspect of it and like you're you're afraid of it not delivering because you don't want people to like take this as representative of the whole and just like you know never make another movie with an asian cast but it pretty quickly becomes clear that like it has its own rhythm it is confident and like my fears in that regard went away almost immediately and for the rest of the movie i was just pretty dazzled like there are so many uh, when, when the idea of this movie first came out i admit to thinking like how many big-name Asian stars are they actually going to find for this movie? And the answer is a million. Like, there, are, <laughs> there are so many like good, charismatic people who can anchor a movie. Um, like I think Constance Wu is really great here as the anchor. I think uh, Eleanor, the mother character played by uh, Michelle Yeoh from Crouching Tiger, she was really believable as like the kind of maternal figure who has to be strict, but at the same time little glimmers of how she really feels come out. Um, I already mentioned the Aquafina, Gemma Chan as Astrid, the sister. I thought she had a really like strong, good presence. That I don't know. It was, I, I liked it. It's not an amazing movie, but I walked out with like a dumb smile on my face, and I, I enjoyed my time there. Very musical too. Like it doesn't surprise me that the director made like Step Up to the Streets and Step Up 3D, <laughs> and best of all, the Beauty and the Beat music video by Justin Bieber. <laughs> I I can see that. This. This movie's uh, all I need. It's a beauty and a beat to make my life complete. I, I could have lived without knowing that was the title of a Justin Bieber video. Buns out, wiener. Gotta keep my eye out for Selena. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that setup. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... I, I think everything that you saw in this film, I saw too. <laughs> From a distance. <laughs> I, I just think for me, th- this was not. <laughs> the film didn't work for me on some level, and I, I think that like I, I did have fun with it, and I enjoyed the the comedy aspects of the film, and there were things that I laughed at, and and I I liked seeing like the craziness of everything, and just sort of 
um, all the lavish parties and the color and like every, everything that was that they were doing to like show what it was like to to be here was, was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, it might be possible to go back to previous reviews of rom coms that we have done, and I I. In my rom-coms, I prefer films that make grand statements about love mm-hmm. um, or at least grand statements about trying. And I think that, uh, you know, as, as I gave the lead into this, to this review and, like, summarized the trailer, what I expected from this film was a fish-out-of-water story where Constance Wu would have to go into this place and um, feel out of place because she's in this, like, uh, in with this giant family who is like old money and super wealthy and just a, a fish out of water, different place. Like that family is so different than her and she has to fight her way to prove that she's worthy of, of, of the mother of the family's son. And, um, that story's kind of there, but I feel like that story takes a backseat to let's have these lavish parties and kind of show how fun we can have with making this film, which is, great there's merit to that but i i just i i wanted this film to make big statements and i feel that kind of like i never see constance Wu as being out of place with that family um the family is extremely wealthy and her character is not but there's never they, they don't feel like different classes of people so it doesn't feel like she's actually trying to fight to maintain her place amongst these people um and i feel that like that isn't like I, I, I just feel like the, the journey she's going on is is kind of she she it's it's a journey of iso- like where she's isolated and the mother is saying mean things to her, but she ne- that never boils over to a thing that involves other people really. It's sort of this like secret little uh, war they're having together, which is like maybe fifteen percent of this film, <laughs> and the rest of it is just parties and having fun. Um, which is fine. Like if this was if this was the Hangover, uh, crazy drunk Hangover movie, whatever, whatever you would call it, um, then I would be like, oh, cool, parties. This is having fun. But I was here for the journey of this girl trying to prove to this family that she should be worthy of the family. And I feel that the, fi- the film doesn't deliver on that, um, but it delivers on lots of other things. And and I'm glad this film is made like I, I I could not get a ticket to see this movie right uh, this movie is like selling out theaters around San Francisco I don't know how it's doing around the country but like this movie in its opening weekend made all the money back that it cost to make the film this is awesome I'm I'm glad that this movie is being so well received um, it just isn't the it isn't the film that like draws me into the story because the story isn't kind of the main thrust of the film um, mm-hmm. and as a person who like unironically enjoys rom-coms <laughs> from time to time um this film didn't deliver on what christopher schnaze wants in his rom-com so yeah I'm, I'm having a difficult time like dealing with that uh when i'm trying to like look at my enjoyment level of the film yeah no i i, I can see that and like much like you saw what i saw and it just maybe wasn't enough i I get what you're saying. Like, I do think Constance Wu is a charismatic enough presence that you don't fully believe that she is as out of place in this world of the crazy rich Asians as the film maybe wants to present. Yeah. Um, like, I, I get her fear of not fitting yeah. in. That's 100% always so, there. So, so that's Wait. where I think it still works because, like, 
Yeah, yeah, she isn't. It isn't like the classic Rachel McAdams, but she has glasses on, so she's a nerd and hasn't like realized her true potential yet. Yeah, like she hasn't put her hair down yet. Like like when the movie starts, she is already like a badass, cool person. Like yeah. like she is a confident person who should be able to like knock out of the park whatever meet the family <laughs> dynamic you have. So I think the movie establishes pretty early on that Nick's parents are very crazy and very 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 uptight and like it almost doesn't matter what her personality is it's the fact that she doesn't come from this lifestyle that makes the difference and so I, that was the one reason that worked for me otherwise i will like totally admit that beats when like let's say oh she's not fighting back but now she has a more fierce dress so now she's gonna fight back like th- those don't really play well because like you always believe she could have existed in that world if she wanted to yeah and, and, and it's not like the parties are lavish and exciting but it's not like she's getting criticized for using the wrong fork or mm-hmm. it's not like Little Mermaid where she's trying to comb her hair with a fork, right? Like, I don't know why yeah. all my examples use forks, but it's just a thing where it's like, oh, I, I get that you don't come from the same background, but outside of the mother telling you that repeatedly, the, I, I don't see a dynamic outside of like insecurity, which it's not a knock on her character because lord knows i have all the insecurities i need um but it's just it's 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 a thing that like i i was waiting for like you know characters are talking about how like chickens are bitches and let's go get them right bok, bok, uh, bitch. <laughs> yeah like i in that scene I, I i don't see a long journey struggle of fighting back to gain dominance i see like short staccato let's let's do some things sure. so that we can like get to where we want to go by the end of the film type of moments. And it's, that's not inherently a problem. It's Mm -hmm. just, I, some of my favorite films that are in this genre, um, involve like grand statements of love. And like in, in my head, I'm like watching a film where somebody's trying to say that like love is more important than money and love is more important than status. And, and, family love and new person entering the family like we should all be like there there's mm-hmm. there, there it's ripe for for statements of grandeur that the film isn't concerned with doing and it just left me a little bit disappointed mm-hmm. um so as much fun as i did have in the moment to moment things or the visuals of like earlier like the helicopter perched on the like there's yeah. not even a landing strip for the helicopter but they're just like eh i put I it can on fly. a rock i can fly we just put it right here like those type of moments are funny and I enjoy seeing it. It's just, I, I keep waiting. I I'm, I'm waiting for a thing that never happens for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are moments that got me. Um, I don't, I don't know if we need a spoiler section for this episode, but there, there are moments where I got, got, got a little misty. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate it. You can, those you can tell me just use like one word. Uh, I'll just give you a color green. Oh yeah. <laughs> I saw that coming too far ahead, but <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I definitely feel like, you are like this movie is not saying grand statements about the romantic aspect at all. This is like it's where it's using such well-worn romance tropes. It's kind of like just hanging that narrative on the scaffolding of like what all the other movies do to the point where to me if it tried to be like too much about love, it would feel fake because like we all know where that's going. Like from the beginning of the movie, the guy is already like trying to not be that showy and not be that into money and like it's so clear that that would be the choice that he would ultimately make Um, also can we can we can we can we both admit this guy's a dick for not telling her like yeah he's he's on the plane flying there and he's like i mean yeah i guess we have like he doesn't prepare her at all yeah i mean 
I mean, I don't know if there's a team here, but I'm in the team of uh, his best friend, Charlie, Harry Shum Jr. I think he yeah. should have been the leading man in this movie. I, I, I would believe him as less of a dick. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, sure. Like the, the premise of this movie, he is for sure like bringing her into completely uncharted territory for yeah. no good reason at all. And he, he, he spends the entire movie oblivious to what's happening. And part of that I put on Constance, Constance Wu's character for not like... Like, she goes, I think your mom hates me. She doesn't say, your mom says horrible shit to me all the time. <laughs> and and yeah. I think that, like, you know, people in a relationship should communicate to each other a little bit more. But, but and this is, like, life instruction moment. If you're bringing a significant other home, you should be, like, extra worried about them feeling comfortable. Yeah, and I know. Especially him in that situation. Like, he's for sure he's for sure wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what he looks like and, with and his that, shirt like, off. That's he's the worst. He, I think he is, like, a very bland character that is not given much to do other than, like, look kind of sexy and be, like, t- just naively slick looking. I don't know. that That's sad. But who cares? Like, the movie just has so many other fun characters. And I think, like, because that rom-com is so well-worn and obvious, I think this movie is right to devote its time to other things. And it's clear that this movie is devoting its time to the party the big lavish scenes. I think it's also devoting its time to just showing like the array of characters that can exist in this Asian rom-com. Like when I first knew that Jimmy Yang, he was in the trailer, I think. And I saw him being like the drunk kind of wacky, awkward guy. I was like, Oh no, is, is it going to do these stereotypes? Right? Like this feels like the one, like him and Ken Jeong kind of feel like the one Asian character that would be in any other movie yeah. who are being like over the top or a little bit of too much this or too much that. But it pads it out with like so many other people. I think I just enjoyed it. Even even the characters that are stereotypes, like the like the extremely uh, <laughs> extremely like flamboyant cousin Oliver. Yeah. Like I thought he worked in this movie, like just because I'd never seen like an Asian character playing that role before. And there were so many of those. It, uh, maybe you have. You're giving me a look. <laughs> I felt like there was so there there was just like such an array of the like way that people can be. And this movie gave so much screen time to all of these different characters. Like I was looking through the IMDb list and I could scroll down like 15 people and still remember characters there. Yeah. Like there are a lot of people in this movie that get a lot to do. And I think the if it's making a grand statement, it, it's like more angled just towards Hollywood of like, hey, we can, you know, we can play all of these roles. Like, like we can do all of this. And I yeah. think there was there was joy to be had there. And I think like they're definitely in jokes, too, that were not meant for me. So I didn't really get them like a, not just jokes. I'm sure like the Mahjong scene probably has a lot of symbolism and like the meaning of the certain things that they're flipping over and there are like references to the way parents are and the difference between like the immigrant parents and the parents back at home and what a good son is supposed to do. And I, I like seeing that. Like, I think the movie is the rom-com is the excuse and the heart of the movie is like just getting to explore all these different things and just having you spend two hours navigating it. But at the end of the day, like it, I don't know, it, it wasn't the kind of like, I have to like this because it's the diverse movie with the Asian cast. Let me find a silver lining. Like I just had fun with it. Like I haven't seen like a big boisterous rom-com like that in a long time. And I don't know. I found that surprisingly enjoyable given how like cynical I am about everything all the time. (laughs) I will say though, this and five year engagement both have this weird idea that being a professor means you do like flashy little gimmicks at the beginning of the first day of class. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I, 
I don't. Can that myth just like die? That's not what being a professor means. Well, obviously, you just had bad friends. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, because these professors in these movies, like their class must be five minutes long. Like it's always the end of the lecture when they do that. But it, I don't know. Yeah. Tiny little nitpick. Another nitpick. Also, how long were they playing poker during that class to reach the point where that would happen? Just like also, 50 minutes of watching them silently play poker. Also, hold on. That guy folds. He wasn't all in. If he was all in, he would have stayed in because why would you fold when you're all in? So the game wasn't actually done. <laughs> right? That's beyond the point. Beyond the point. I don't, maybe they were just playing one hand. They weren't playing a whole game. In which case, again, that's the, the fallacy that because you're smart and good at games, you will automatically win one hand of poker, which yeah. is not the way well, it works. Well, she does teach game theory. Mm-hmm. So I know, I know. Just like a, a psycho- psychology professor, Emily Blunt, proves that kids want to eat marshmallows. <laughs> it's always like the most obvious version of whatever it is so people can latch onto it. But I digress. I digress. Yeah. If I can go on another secondary rant. I don't even remember the line anymore, so this is such a dumb rant to have. But there's a thing in, like, alt comedy now of the last 10 years where a joke will be of the form, like, oh, that that looks like, and then name a real thing and then name an abstract thing. Like, oh, you smell, like, perfume and loneliness. Or, oh, that looks like, and then this movie did that, like, three times, and I didn't. But every every movie does it. I don't care. <laughs> That's my rant. That's a hack premise. We need to stop making that joke. <laughs> All right. Um, I like the music in this movie, like, I, like all the color covers. Yeah, all, all the covers. Yeah. Like, like my misty-eyed scene was at the wedding when I can't stop falling in love with you. She's the girl up front who's singing that song. Even though, like, what's happening in that scene is very like ridiculous. Yeah, like the guy is mouthing things that make me feel like a bad boyfriend. <laughs> 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 but I, but I still felt it. I, I just felt all like the highs and lows. This got me in the rom com mode. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it uh, for what it was. I don't think this is like making a grand anything. I don't think it's like quote highbrow. Like this is definitely like a crowd pleasing affair that isn't aiming for that. It's very like aughts. It's very like cheesy, enjoyable rom com with a ton of colorful characters and yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it, my, my audience enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, it was a fully packed house at like a theater that is almost never packed. Um, and I think that uh, it, it is it is crowd pleasing. Um, I like my cheese uh, a certain like on the side of uh, sappy romantic stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this cheese is more the other side of the cheese, um, uh, the cheese wheel, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I, I, th- I think for me. It didn't deliver on the thing that I signed up for, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, as a as a little party movie, I think it does uh, well enough to have fun in those ways. Yeah, I I agree. All right, so Stephen almost just choked on his beverage. Um, I'm alive, he, everybody. Yeah, he's alive, uh, which is great. Um, I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, but uh, if I can jump back to the boyfriend, um, not to get too spoilers, but. Uh, the boyfriend character brings something to the wedding that I feel like you don't bring if you're the best man at the wedding. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, I, sure. I, I just feel that, like, it doesn't help anybody no. if you're going to do that sort of thing at a wedding. Mm-hmm. 
Especially not your own wedding. Yeah, I don't know what I, his plan was there. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, I, I, I feel like, I feel like that is sort of there to sh- sort of show his mindset without him having to say his mindset um, with where the relationship is at. But it just, it just mm-hmm. felt like one of those things where I was like, I was like, I don't know a lot about that sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think a, like a related kind of failing of the movie is. I don't get from this movie an understanding of why she would want to be with him. I get what she brings to the table. Like she has plenty of scenes that get to show her being smart and witty and her being like cool and her, her being a fun presence. Yeah. He just, because he, just he has an accent. Yeah. He doesn't get anything to do <laughs> except the British, British accent. For the, for the record. And maybe that's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, like the movie doesn't do enough for me to understand why, like to her, this relationship working is such a like, deeply important devastating thing like i kind of feel like that character you know she's a year in or something like that and a big thing happens and she realizes this person isn't who she thought i kind of be like okay peace out i'm gonna go back to being like a cool professor at nyu you know i'll I'll be fine and and yeah we, we we don't see uh we we don't really see their relationship over the past year but we do only see his like non-realization of what she's going through while hanging out with the rest of the family yeah um so that is kind of sad also if he's so rich why does he always uh eat her dessert <laughs> that's a good question i mean this is these are important questions i want to say also i want to be in the first class that looks like that uh are you saying you haven't flown in a plane like that steven i have never flown in a plane like that no okay um yeah i mean that that was uh that was a pretty red first class i'm not gonna lie um the only first class I ever see is the one I walk through on a regular plane <laughs> to go back to my exit row seat. <laughs> well, one thing I did enjoy is um, it's like a throwaway gag, but one of Nick's brothers is like an aspiring film producer or film creator. And I felt like there there was like a just like a three minute cutaway or something that hinted at like if the movie wanted to, it could have gone all out in like classic hong kong cinema like I, I, I don't know I, I thought there was something i i enjoyed that i felt like there was some throwaway gag there chris is looking at me skeptically so I, I i apparently missed the gag um that doesn't mean it wasn't there mm. it just means that uh, i was not picking up what you were putting down there i also like that um gamma chan's character gets to look at like a big diamond which brings us back to oceans eight again which Aquafina already reminded me of, so we're all living in the same shared universe now, <laughs> the Aquafina universe. There were just no glasses to scan the diamond to yeah. uh, figure out how to steal so it. So she just had to buy it. Yeah. What's a million dollars? All right. Well, uh, we're probably ready to wind down this episode. Uh, so what do you say we get to our verdict? So Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, a reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm going to give this a gentle must-see like i i don't think this is again like incredibly highbrow i don't think it's making grand statements but i think for what it was doing which was being a fun lively silly kind of throwback romantic comedy i had a really good time with it and again i think it's like very cool to see a all asian cast pull this off Uh, i'm glad to see that it's performing well and i think it's just a good thing to celebrate because it it just represents a good change in Hollywood to start to acknowledge yeah. along with Black Panther and Ocean's 8 and everything else that like we can do this and it isn't ham-fisted like it works totally well there's plenty of talented people out there so 
I, I had a lot of fun with it. It definitely exceeded my expectations. And I think if you go in expecting just something fun and you don't need something that's going to touch your heart in like a very existential way, the way Chris wants. I get it, gonna, Steven. <laughs> you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a recommend with a caveat. Um, it, it, it didn't do the things that I wanted it to do. Um, it didn't really pull me in as as I expected it could possibly do. But like, as you said, like this is there, there was a bidding war for this film and Netflix did their best to try to take this film and make it a Netflix film. Um, and the filmmakers were like, no, we want to give it a wide theatrical release um, because we're going to get turnout for it and it's going to be worth it. And the opening weekend proved that to be true. Um, $30 million budget, $34 million opening. Like this movie has paid for itself and has proven to the studios that like um, an all Asian cast can lead a film that like th- th- it's it's this is a film that you should go out and see um, just to encourage more films of this uh, of this type to get made. Um so yeah, it's I, I can't I can't knock it um, for being an entertaining film um, that drew in huge crowds this weekend. So go forth and see this film. <laughs> go forth. <laughs> bok bok, bitch. One throwaway gag I liked was when Aquafina pops her trunk and there's like four different outfits that she has <laughs> including walk of shame yeah the walk of shame one got me like it was it was kind of funny and then just like the fact that she has a walk of shame outfit i was like all right golf club that's yeah. pretty good <laughs> um but anyways uh yeah so that'll be the end of this ep- uh, review of the podcast um so it's, it's not a review, review of, the of the podcast, podcast. uh you can give i'm us gonna a give a review of the, of the podcast five stars <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So this is the end of the podcast. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where is it that they may do that? Uh, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Uh, people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you'd like to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Uh, if you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash warning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Crazy Rich Asians, so hope you, hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that is this review. Um, I have no idea what's coming out this weekend. Um, but we will be seeing something most likely. Oh yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll be there, and we will bring you another review. So get ready for that. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time. Bye.